This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. We'll have two hours of advanced analysis, the X's and O's, headlines around the NBA, and breakdown of your Utah Jazz on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, Andy Larson, Ben Anderson with you here on ESPN 700. A lovely Tuesday afternoon. Excited to have Ben back. Uh, I hosted his, his Gunther and Ben show for the last couple of days. Thanks for the opportunity. And uh, it was it was sad not to have you here, but I, I think Tony and I and, and then Chris and I did a, well, mediocre job of filling in for you. Great job as always. So we appreciate you Thank filling you. in. Um, but this show, you know, we talk some college football and along with the NBA and the Jazz. This show is just NBA and the Jazz. Just, this is only about b-ball. basketball. Yep. It's all we care about now. Yep. Uh, so we want to talk about... We want to get into some of the things that we we learned this offseason in terms of how these teams have changed. I mean, I think that that really is, now that we have had a chance to take a breather a little bit, every team in the league is so much different. I mean, half of the I team, know. half the players in the league change teams this year. I'm trying to think. I mean, yeah, that, that was crazy because going into the season, I think 40% of the league was entering free agency. Right. 40% and that doesn't even include the trades that we ended up seeing go down with especially trades we didn't expect but you should uh, you should tweet us your questions first before yes, we get into whatever. Yes, please we want. do. It's at Andy B Larson is my Twitter handle. At Ben's Hoops is Ben's Twitter handle. You can also call us 877-353-0700 or text us 877-353-0700. We had some good uh feedback on the text hotline when I did the show yesterday. Okay. That was that was good. We don't get a lot of texts, so uh, good to have people engaged. It's, it's, we just do a different just, type of people show. People like texting me. Yeah. It's it's all. I think that's what it's it is. It's just it's just personal. You seem receptive. Maybe. I just smile more. What is it? You seem like a a responder, a a good okay. responder, maybe a good ear. Everyone likes a good, good ear, ear that they can talk wow. to. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, bud. Uh, <laughs> but let's talk about the Jazz. Let's okay. talk about the NBA. Um where I mean, where do we start here? Do we start Rudy Gobert shooting threes? <laughs> Rudy That's Gobert where we start. Threes? All right. That was the big news of the day. He's playing for uh, the FIBA French national team, getting ready for the champions. Right. By the way, Donovan Mitchell has made the American team, right? I mean, he's not trying out for anything. Absolutely no. There's now no, he's he, nobody left. He's very likely starting yeah. on Team USA. Looking at all the different players that have dropped out, he is the best two guard remaining. Which now, is awesome. They could go, you know, bigger or smaller, but. Really, he he is the best two guard remaining, and he may be one of the best scorers remaining yeah. on that team. He's going to get an offer. I'm curious how he plays in in international basketball. Now, in some ways, international basketball has changed, where it's not necessarily a different type of player from the NBA is going to have success in FIBA. But we've seen that. You know, maybe the best international player we've ever seen is Carmelo Anthony, and just he the way he played was really tough for other countries and other other teams to stop. But how does Donovan Mitchell end up playing in these uh, international leagues? Might be good. I don't know how many of those have really long athletic defensive players. And those that quick length seems to bother Donovan more than anything. And that's yes. not exactly what these other teams are known for. No, and, and really it's – I would also put in there like really strong rim protectors too, yeah. right? You know, you're not – your Clint Capellas is basically yeah. what I'm thinking. Uh, certainly Rudy Gobert in practice, we see those guys actually go up against each other. Uh, even a, a guy like a Miles Turner who's capable of that. Uh, is on Team USA. So now the thing is, he will have to face Rudy Gobert and and France and Nick Batum and I think some some difficult defenders on that team. Uh, but you know, I, I think he should have some good success against Australia. Uh, Serbia's got Nikola Jokic down low. You know, like the it's 
these are big men that I think he can have some success against if he can get past the the defenders, which yeah aren't you don't have a Trevor Ariza or a PJ Tucker guarding him at the uh, at the Olympic level. And the Jazz have only Gobert and Donovan Mitchell playing. No, Joe Ingles is Joe well. Ingles is playing. Yes, because early in the summer I thought he was not going to play, but he has decided. There to was play. there was kind of that rumor about his finger being right. weird or that he was going to go undergo knuckle surgery. I don't know what that looks like, but. He is not. Um, okay. he, he he's actually said, "My knuckle is fine. I'm going to be playing for the Boomers this year." That's okay. that's that. So yes, Joe Ingles will play. Okay. Uh, Dante Exum will not play. Will not play, which is good. Yeah, I I think that's clearly he's just not healthy. Not healthy. Uh, he's yeah. he's on track to be healthy by training camp, but you know the FIBA World Cup starts a month before training camp and. Uh, obviously, the the training camps for that start two weeks before then. So yeah, he's he's just not going to be ready for that. I'm looking at the guard lineup right now for Team USA for the FIBA roster. Uh, the guards are Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart, and Donovan Mitchell. Now there's Kyle Lowry and there's Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton's probably not a two. I mean, I guess you could throw him at the two if you wanted to and start him there, but he might be more of a three. And then uh, Kyle Lowry, I don't know. He's probably a bench guy at this point. Yeah, I mean, and, he, I know he just won a, a championship, <laughs> second or third best player on the guard, floor, yeah. but I don't think he's competing with Donovan Mitchell to get two guard minutes. And I would say uh, he also had a a thumb issue. Now yeah. he's supposed to be coming back, but uh, he may not play. He, I, I don't expect him to play a lot of minutes. And I think you probably start with some shooting or some scoring, I should say, and that's why you probably go with Kemba and Donovan. Yeah, no, I mean, maybe it makes sense to have Donovan as your sixth man yeah. and come off the bench and be the scorer. Have Marcus know? Smart be your kind of tough guy in the backcourt. Yeah, although then you have to deal with the lack of spacing that Marcus Smart gives everyone else, right? Yeah. So that's the thing. There just aren't that many choices. I mean, maybe you start Jason Tatum instead of Donovan. I, I, I don't. I don't I see don't, no. any reason why you would do that, no. I guess. I, but, yeah, uh, to me, I I think Donovan Mitchell is a uh, is a no-brainer starter, quite frankly, next to Kemba Walker. Who do you start at center? Here's your centers. Bam Adebayo, Andre Drummond. Brooke Lopez, Mason Plumley, and Miles Turner. Yeah, why so many centers? First of all, yeah. but second of all, uh, I I probably like either Brooke Lopez or Miles Turner. Out I of think those so guys. too because they spread the floor. Yeah, Brooke really spreads the floor. He's a really good. He's like a great European style player. Yeah, he really Just is. Like, blo- and actually blocks a lot of shots too. He's turned into a very good shot blocker. And uh, yeah, spreads the floor. I love Miles Turner. I yeah. loved him coming out of Texas. It just seemed like that was an obvious pick. I think the Jazz probably would have picked him. Who he went eleven. I think the Jazz drafted twelve. Yep. I mean they had. Gobert. I think they would have taken. Him I think they would have well. gladly taken Miles Turner there though when uh, he got drafted. He's a. I love that guy. He's a great player. And, and you know was a, a top five defensive player of the year candidate last year. Uh, can shoot it as well from outside, so that's nice. That part of his game adapts, and and he gives you some athleticism. Which not that Team USA is is lacking that, but I, I think he should be able to to compete in that uh, in those battles. I would say like maybe the most heralded player out of that group is Andre Drummond, just yep. because you know the points and rebounds. And he he's puts got up. some international experience. He's actually and, played a little bit. Yep. Uh, so you know that's nice, and and I would not be at all shocked to see him start. If I was coaching this team, I go either Brook or Kemba, or Brook or or Miles Turner. Uh, I'm with you there. I wouldn't be surprised though if you do end up seeing uh, Andre Drummond coming in and starting. Point guard absolutely is Kemba. He's just the best player. Yeah. He might be the best player on the team. He, he might be. Uh, and then. Where are you going with your forwards? I so, mean, you're w- w- assuming, let's say Donovan Mitchell starts. Let's say he wins a starting job, and you've got a three and a four that you need to start. And I'll just tell you who the forwards yeah, are. Yeah, please. Thad it's- Young, P.J. Tucker, Jason Tatum, Julius Randle, Chris Middleton, Kuzma, Jalen Brown, Harrison Barnes. I think you go Middleton. Uh, Middleton's probably the next best player. And then I... I- 
you can make a case that Harrison Barnes is like the most logical candidate for the four. You know who might weird. be an awesome international player is Julius Randle. Yeah, I, uh, like he kind of has a little bit of like weird. He's got a little. He's even got like the same weird soft body that Carmelo had, and had a willingness to play in New York. Like for some reason, it's not going to work in the league, but it really worked really well in FIBA. It, I, I could see that happening. I also just think that like his inability to defend will hurt. Sure, will hurt him. Yeah. Uh, so now let's not say Harrison Barnes play, is great at that yeah, either, can't right? Play Kuzma. Uh, yeah, Kuz I think doesn't work there. Jalen Brown, maybe you know, yeah. like you, you, Jason Tatum again. Maybe you can play Chris Middleton at the four, and and those guys at the three, and I think that could make some sense. Um, it, it's hard because because you are Team USA, you want to you want to set a tone. You want to say, hey, this is we're the best team here. This is how we play. You you adjust, you adjust. to us. Yeah. I'm not sure that's the best thing for Team USA at this point. Yeah. And I actually, you know, this roster isn't great. This roster's not perfect. There's no. not, like, a great shooter other than Chris Middleton on the roster. There's just not a guy. Chris Middleton's like, yeah. No. yeah, he's not J.J. Redick. Right. They, I, they don't have Bradley Beal. You know, they don't have that guy who I trust to shoot for 40%. And, and he's bad. Chris Middleton's funny because he is so good at making tough shots, but he rarely gets open shots. Uh, and, and you may need to see him... You know, get open shots for them. In the end, the efficiency is not quite there that you would feel really good about it. And like as you would if you had a JJ Redick type, uh, you know, your Ray Allen type in, in years past. You might need to start Brooke Lopez just to get shooting just on the get, floor. Yeah, I might be the best shooter on the team. Kemba, Kemba's a better shooter. Okay, but <laughs> yeah, Brooke Brolo might might, Brooke be, might second. be second. Yeah. yeah. And then we'll be curious. We'll see if Donovan Mitchell keeps up that 45% that he had over the second half of the season last year. We'll see if that's for real. Would you play a lot of P.J. Tucker? You know, P.J. Tucker and Marcus Smart on the floor together would be really funny. You can't do both. Why not? Just go crazy. Just be <laughs> the meanest team. And put Bam out there. Bam at a bio at the center. Now, I, I would play Marcus Smart and P.J. Tucker for like three minutes a game just to make everyone else want to quit the game. I, I honestly think, I think P.J. Tucker you should maybe play more than three minutes a game of. No, I mean those guys together. Oh, okay. You should put a, a roster out there or a, a five-man lineup with those two both on the floor at the same time just because they're so awful. I, I mean defensively, <laughs> like mean players. That would be really funny to play for a couple of minutes a game. And the games are shorter, right? Are they only 40 they're minutes? 40 minutes. Yeah, I, I would say I you could do that, and I think those would be negative minutes for the Absolutely. U.S. I think you're, you're worse. It's a loss for everybody. Just play. It's a negative for everyone. It's negative for the other just team. Just play Jalen Brown. It's a negative for uh, somehow yeah. both teams score negative points during. Now, this ideally, you can be the, you know, Warriors and have five people who can score. But even then, the five here, Team USA, you should have five people you, who can score. But I honestly do believe also there's a sense where I don't mind if there's a guy on the floor who doesn't need touches to yes. score, which right. is where Andre Drummond actually has some value. He can do some of the lob stuff. He can do offensive rebound stuff. I don't mind that at all. Drummond may be he's he's definitely a top three offensive rebounder in the league. Uh, was the top rebound number guy in the league last year. Um, I, I can see that as an argument. It's just like win the boards against smaller bigs. Yeah. And, you know, you're not – some of the bigs you're playing are, are not going to be smaller, like the the ones we talked about, Jokic and yeah. Rudy Gobert and so on and so forth. But uh, the ones that are, you're – you know, having Drummond down there just getting boards is is a pretty easy way to get some free possessions and, and points. Yeah. Otherwise, they should be good. I mean, they should still win. Yeah. They should still be the best team. And it's not like – it's only the NBA or the but, only the American team that, that, that's missing some players, but there's a lot of, you know, the, the, the players that aren't playing are significantly better than the players that are playing. Right. I, I mean, like Ben Simmons isn't playing, right, for yeah. Australia. I mean, you, you go down the list and there there are a lot of teams missing guys. Chris Tops isn't playing. I mean, yeah. so 
I would say yes. If, if this were an Olympic scenario and this is a team you bring, I would have to say like you know the U.S. is going to lose at some point just yeah. in, in one of these games yep. because everyone's ready uh, to to bring their best. Not really the case here, but I still wouldn't be shocked if they lose one of these knockout games and yep. it, it just you know and you don't have have the World Cup. Clearly, the World Cup does not matter to Team USA in the way that it does. In the in the way that the Olympics does, and in the way, yeah, exactly. Other teams clearly care about it more as 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 well. And I I also think it's interesting how younger guys like Ben Simmons, like Dante Exum, uh, have kind of opted out Mm -hmm. of this, and because maybe it's just like the American influence. Maybe it's because they they grew up not caring about the the international scene as as much as maybe the guys ten fifteen years ago did from from foreign countries, but. It does feel like guys are are willing to pull out of this, even even if you know where they would have represented their country in the past, and in the World Cup or you know in, in the international stage. By the way, these uh, the first scrimmage is August 9th, so you'll be able to watch that. Yeah, um, that's white versus blue, USA versus USA. I'll be in Vegas for that actually. And then you get the scrimmages, USA versus Spain, starting on August 16th. So the NBA has done a really good job of figuring out how to make basketball a year-round event. You yeah. know, you, you kind of just, I mean, I. I, who won the championship in Las Vegas? I have no idea. The, the summer, summer league? league. Ooh, who was it? Was it the Blazer? I, I, I great question. Yeah, that's the thing. So, I mean, they have a way to make it international, or I mean, I should say year round. Nobody really cared at the end of Vegas this year, especially because so many of the stars ended up sitting out. So, so few lottery yeah. picks ended up playing. But you know, that went into mid or late July, mid July. Yeah, and then you get two weeks off, three weeks off, and then August 9th, you're back to having NBA players on the floor. So. And even then, like. You know, Saturday we had TBT yeah. and the Big, the Big Three, Three League, both here in yeah. Salt Lake in the same weekend. Basketball's I mean, been good. It's been it's fun to have it year round. Yeah, it, it, it's it's good for uh, my job as well. And then the, the finals <laughs> here of the USA of the FIBA World Cup, we'll assume let's say let's assume the USA gets there, or September fifteenth, and then camp starts. What did we decide? You tweeted at me August it's September thirtieth. Uh, yeah, so September thirtieth, media day. August uh, October first is the first day of. So it's gonna be what a. Um, Two weeks? Yeah. Two, two, two weeks. weeks between the end to where camp starts up. So I get why Jazz fans are worried about wear and tear and why they didn't want Mike Conley to join this team and he's not going to. At least it looks like he's not going to. I imagine somebody else would really have to drop out for Conley to jump yeah. in at this point. But uh, I, I get why you want that that amount of time off because two weeks is not a very long gap and Donovan's playing a lot. But this will, I think ultimately this is probably good for Donovan Mitchell. I, I, I agree with that. I would also say that maybe the Jazz are more vulnerable to that than any team in the league that you've got Rudy Gobert playing a big role for France. You've got Joe Ingles playing a huge role for Australia and you've got Donovan Mitchell playing a big role for team USA. Yep. Those are three of your five best players, uh, that are going to be, and your top two players. Right. Yeah. That are going to be hurt, you know, not hurt, but are, are going to be tired going into preseason. And, uh, you know, in no other team in the league has, has it quite like that. Yep. It's a, it's a real concern. I wrote about this last week at KSL. Like maybe the Celtics, I would say, with Kemba, Tatum, and Jalen Brown all gone. Yeah. Uh, and Gordon Hayward's got his video game thing that he's doing, so he's going to be busy. <laughs> uh, he will be rested. <laughs> video game's easy. <laughs> didn't, didn't help him last year. Uh, looking yeah. at... Fumble the ball. Uh, this season, I wrote about it at KSL last week. Do the Jazz do much load management this year? Is that a Quinn Snyder? I mean, Jazz have tra- traditionally done it with minutes right. and not with games. Right. You can probably do both now. I think they'll do both. Uh, I think they should. Yeah, and I, I think they will. I mean, uh, talking to 
the people who are making those decisions, I think they will. I, yeah. I think that is the the intention is to do some load management. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if that means one game a month yeah. or does that mean every back-to-back like Kawhi? Right. You know, probably not. Probably, not probably somewhere in between, right? And Mike Conley's going to miss five or six games to injury. Right. And then do you sit him another five games on top of that? And is that enough load management where he gets 10 games off and gets 15% of the season off, essentially? The the problem with Mike Conley, and I agree, like he's the guy who probably needs it the most, along with maybe Joe Ingles, although Joe's so proud of playing all eighty two that yeah. like that's it's hard to take that away from him. Conley's kind of the logical guy, but he's also the guy that who has the biggest drop between the starter production and the backup production. Yeah, and the Quinn traditionally hasn't gone. I'm just going to get the five best players on the floor. Like he. Does Donovan start in those games where Mike Conley no, probably sits out? Emmanuel Moutier or Dante Exum yeah. or Nigel Williams-Goss. Right, where the logical thing would say, well, put Donovan at the one and then have your best two out there, whether that's Exum or whoever you know think is the best, Royce, right. uh, and play him at the two. That's kind of not how the Jazz operate, though. It's not how tw- when he's had to with injuries like he did last year of all of January when, when Dante and, Joe Ing- or, uh, and Ricky Rubio were out. Donovan went in. It was fabulous. And, and you could do again, that. They, I don't think he'll do it for one-offs. They only did that because Howell Neto was hurt. All right. three point guards were right. hurt. So yeah. just the the sheer lack of any point guards. But when only Howell Neto was available, they still started Howell Neto. Yeah. So yeah, for one-offs, I don't think you would move Donovan Mitchell over. So it's no. it's kind of interesting. I I, I yeah I, I'm with you. I, I think they will make those cuts uh, uh, to the number of games that that Conley plays. I think it's going to be really hard to do that at the end of the year when. You know, I don't think this team is going to be runaway number one seed, and so you're you're going to be fighting for playoff positioning. You're going to be fighting for home court. You're going to be fighting for seeding. Where you know, I think there's a clear top six, maybe a top seven in the Western Conference. If you're the number one or two seed, you have a much easier first round, and that again gets into load management a little bit for the yeah. second and third rounds. Um, you you have the opportunity to to play. You know, a, a lot of these games. So, I I. It's going to be tough. Like there will be games where you ha- will have to make those decisions. It's just do how important is the number one, two, three seed to you versus keeping your guys healthy for the playoffs. And it's very easy to say, well, playoffs now. It's very hard to say to actually pull a guy in late March when yep. when the game means a lot. Adam Forgey on Twitter tweeted at us. He said, "Do teams expected by some to finish above the Jazz, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Rockets, and the Warriors?" have the role players necessary to beat the Jazz in the playoffs. Let's rank those teams by role players. Sure. Number one, Clippers. Yeah, Clippers, absolutely. I mean, they, they've got Lou Williams, a, a tremendous scoring six-man threat. You've got Montrez Harrell, uh, who is, again, second place in six-man of the, of the year voting last year. And then you've got Patrick Beverly, who's one of the best perimeter defenders, maybe the best perimeter defender at, at his position in the league. And Landry Shamit could have And then you've you. got, right, Landry Shamit as a, as a shooter. Uh, uh, you know, you've got it. You still have uh, Jamichael Green. They have the Robinson kid too, who's going into his second year. Remember, he's the point. They drafted yeah. Shea and Robinson. Now Robinson was bad. He was bad. And I think he'll still be bad, but but maybe he makes a second year jump. Sure, uh, he's going to be playing against much uh, with much better players, and That's amazingly, true. that makes guys like Greg Foster look like much better players. <laughs> uh, Shandon Anderson, Howard Isley. When you're playing next to stars, all of a sudden you look like a much better player. So we'll see if uh, Robinson coming over can is... end up taking a second. But, and you know. The nice thing is that's their tenth best guy, right? So, yeah, maybe he does make a big jump. Right. They, 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 they've got the best role players. I I, I agree, and, yes, and better but, even than the Jazz. I would even say, yeah, like, by a decent. I would record. say that the Jazz have a better third and fourth guy. That like I would rather have Mike Conley than Lou Williams. Correct. 
I would rather have Joe Ingles than uh, Montrez Harrell. Montrez Harrell, probably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think so too. Yeah, it's, or, or you know, Boyan Bogdanovich. Boyan's oh, a better yeah, sorry, than Boyan's Montrez. a fourth. Yeah, you're, you're totally right. I yeah. skipped Boyan in that. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, Boyan's better than Montrez, and then your 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 fifth guy, even Joe Ingles, is, might be better than like who Vicha Zubac or someone like that. Yeah. Like, or or you know Jeff Green to Landry Shamit. You know that's where you sure. are. You're getting into that conversation, and the Jazz are good. The Jazz are insanely deep. It's going to be a real luxury for the Jazz. I do this think year. the Clippers are better, like seven through ten. If okay. You will. And you know that matters less in the playoffs, but I would still take probably. Well, I don't know. Those are close role playing teams. Looking After at that, the Lakers, Lakers have good role players. We're we're sleeping a little bit on them. Yeah. Okay. Let's, uh, who do you like out of their role players? Uh, what's his name? He just came over from Toronto. Danny Green. He's a very good player. Danny Green's a very good. He had shot, a very he, iffy playoffs. He did, but he shot forty five percent. He shot forty five percent in the regular season, season right? Which is and crazy. so if he can do that again, you and know, and great. Uh, you know, and now he's playing next to LeBron, LeBron and AD. No, it, like, he's going to get so many shots. Sure. Uh, Quinn Cook. I really like Quinn Cook. I don't like Quinn Cook. Oh, really? I think he Quinn really Cook shoot. might be Ian Clark. Okay. Yeah, maybe. He's a better shooter than Ian Clark, even. Ian Clark was a good shooter. He was. No, he, that's the only reason he made the league. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Quinn Cook had better percentages. Ian Clark either. just went overseas, you know? Like, yeah. I to me, uh, uh, did Quinn Cook have better percentages? He had really good percentages last year. I I, I think Quinn Cook is, I think he's pretty Trey Burkean. Uh Better three-point shooter. And yeah, I mean he's a little guy who shoots the ball. That's 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 what he does. But Trey Burke never made him. Last year he shot forty six percent from the floor and forty percent from the three point. Line. Okay, those are really good numbers. Fifty five percent effective field goal percentage. Still only had a thirteen per, which again that's a catch all. It's not a great catch all, but that's below average. So yeah, I, to me, I mean, and then Demarcus Cousins, Kyle Kuzma. I actually like Alex Caruso. He's got to take a next step. We'll see if Avery Bradley's any good. They, they, those are good players. I I don't think they are. Contavious Caldwell Pope. No bad player. Okay. I think he's a bad player. I think DeMarcus Cousins, to me, is going to be a bad player until further notice. He is really bad. Uh, He's really bad in the finals. I think Rondo's a bad player and is going to get more minutes than maybe he deserves. Jared Dudley, good player, bad player. Uh, Good player. Good player. Was a good player last year. Might be a better locker room guy than he is player, and I don't know if that's what the Lakers need. They might need it a little bit. And it's funny because he was so bad two years ago with Phoenix, right? So I think Avery Bradley's a good player. I think he's a bad player. Okay. I think he's been a bad player for three seasons now. Oh, really? Maybe when he was with the Clippers. Like, yeah. Okay. Because, I mean, first of all, you just can't shoot 37% from the field. Like, Sure. Think of how bad the Cavs looked all of a sudden when LeBron left, and then before that, how serviceable some of those guys seemed as NBA players. Like, I think LeBron does so much to lift sure. bad guys to okay guys that if you give them okay guys, they can be good but guys. But if, if we're talking about... Who has a better supporting cast? You know, oh, there's, yeah, there's yeah. no question. And the Jazz have a better supporting cast than the Lakers do. Yeah, by a big margin. I just, I, I don't hate that roster. I don't love the Lakers roster, nor should anybody. But I, I don't hate it. Uh, Houston Rockets. I have no idea what to make of the Rockets this year. This could be such a weird team. It almost like it. It, it does matter. Still, your role players do matter. But when you have Russell Westbrook and James Harden as your backcourt, they're going to be using 70% of possessions anyway. Yeah. And then Clint Capella is going to be getting a lot of dunks at the rim, and, and Clint Capella is still a very good player. So, I, you know, I think you start there. But Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, those are those are good role players. Yes. The, yeah, those are very good role players, and that's Actually, that's, I, a, that's and, a nice five. And I like that they kept Austin Rivers. And you kept Austin Rivers, and I think it was for the minimum even, which is, yeah. again, a, a nice signing. They kept Daniel House. Uh yeah, I, I think that's uh, those are good role players. Everything they gave up was draft capital. It's just whether or not it works. It works, right? Yeah, and it, it might. It's not. just whether it or not really the top not two work. And, and here's the thing: I don't really believe Russ works. 
Yeah. I really like Russ. I don't believe it works. Yeah. It, yeah. Unless, again, the thing is he has to completely change the way he plays. And even he did a little bit last season, and it still wasn't enough. He still doesn't – neither of those guys play off ball. Neither of those guys uh, know how to play uh, off ball either gets on or off defense. Neither of those guys set screens. You know, it, it's just – and I think they got around that a little bit with Chris Paul and, and James Harden because you you could stagger and and they will con- and Mike D'Antoni will continue to stagger and and Russell Westbrook will eat second units alive like yeah. that'll be that'll be crazy. Um, but I when you get to the playoffs and you have to play those guys for major minutes together, it's just not maximizing them. And it, we saw no. the Jazz take advantage and the the Portland Trailblazers take advantage of what Russell Westbrook doesn't do as much as they did of what he does. <laughs> and here's the problem: not that the Rockets are the fastest team in the NBA; they're not. You know, I think we still believe this Mike D'Antoni system is going a million miles an hour. No, it's they're just they're not. slow. But are, are we going to see an even more exaggerated they were Russell Westbrook in pace? Last yeah, that's year. crazy. Are, are we going to see a more exaggerated Russell Westbrook? Because the problem is that exaggerates all the bad things too. Right. And the bad Russ is really bad. It's like some of the worst in the league. So do you, I mean, presumably you let him take mid-range shots in the same way they did with Chris Paul, but Chris Paul hits him at 47% and yep. Russell Westbrook hits him at you know 40%. Yeah. Or do you say no only threes, in which case he's taking 33% of them, you know, making 33% of them and, and not doing great at best. Last year he was a 30% three-point shooter. Or do you... I don't think you can change Russ. I don't think... Because I don't think Russ cares to change. Right. Because he loves his numbers. He loves what he does. He thinks what he does wins. And that's all he cares about. Yeah. So I don't think Mike D'Antoni gets through to him. We talked to the uh, the two times the Jazz played, the th- or the one time the Jazz played the Thunder. We talked to all the media there. And they said, uh, yeah, everyone's afraid of, the, the coaching staff's afraid of Russell Westbrook. Yeah. And now, Why is that going to change? And with Mike D'Antoni in kind of a precarious situation yeah. with his, all of his assistants getting fired. Yeah. And he's not a lame duck, but he's not, no one expects him to be there for more than two years. You know, like I right. know he's not going to be the head coach of the Rockets in three years. No way. Like he almost didn't get another yeah. contract this year. <laughs> yeah, right. And it was only because his contract was still there. If he, yeah. it's if his contract ran out, he definitely would have been uh, let go. So, so it's not perfect. But then again, Chris Paul wasn't great last year either. Chris Paul had seriously taken a step right. off. Daryl Morey felt like he had to make a change because it looked really clear that that Rockets team wasn't going to win a championship because you had the best opportunity to win a championship when Kevin Durant went down and you lost both of those games. Right, and Westbrook's younger and better, and so like maybe it just works because of that. Who knows? We do have to take a break, but I am curious. We The, the commenter also asked us about the Warriors supporting cast. Uh, we talked about Quinn Cook leaving. What Who do they have cast? left? <laughs> and then we should do that. Look around. We'll look, yeah, and we'll look around the rest where? of the West as well here on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. To the analytics, opinions, and best breakdown of the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. Andy Larson and Ben Anderson with you today on this Tuesday afternoon. Talking the Western Conference picture, the very changed Western Conference picture. We had a great question from our, our listener, Adam Forgy. Forgy, I don't know which one. Uh, earlier on in the show, as always, you guys can continue to, to comment, ask us questions by texting us at 877-353-0700 or tweeting. We like the tweets. We're checking the tweets more often, if we're honest. At Andy B. Larson and at Ben's Hoops. Adam asked us uh, which of the play, uh, which of the teams maybe some 
have projected to finish above the Jazz, which of those teams have the role players necessary to beat the Jazz in the playoffs? I think we came to the conclusion that the the Clippers do, uh, and then the Rockets may because of of who they have: Clint Capella, Eric Gordon, and PJ Tucker being a still a formidable formidable role playing cast. Then we disagreed on the Lakers. You you thought that the Lakers supporting cast may be good enough to beat the Jazz in the playoffs? No. I kind of disagree. No, I don't believe that at all. Oh, okay. I just don't think it's you know a barren wasteland the way the next team we're going to talk about is but it's uh, it's not great it, but it's not unusable okay and i would say the lakers are the team most primed in season to try and make a trade to upgrade their roster that's true i don't know if they have anything to trade away they already gave it up to get anthony davis they have no draft capital have no and they got space. no players that you like like unless kuzma can be attached with somebody and even then they don't have like good sized contracts to get a good guy back like they don't have any way of getting bradley beal and that's right. what they need. You can't attach Kuzma and a draft pick to a thirty million dollar contract and get Beal back or get CJ McCollum. <laughs> well, and they don't have yeah, they don't have any. They don't have a first round draft pick, and they don't have right. thirty million dollars in contracts to right. spend. Yeah, so it's just as much as everyone doable. ended up applauding Palinka, they just don't have any flexibility now. So this is what you have. This is your roster and a bunch of minimum guys. They they I I really do think they needed. Uh, Kawhi to sign there to be yep. really truly contenders. Yep. But uh, anyway, they just I, messed up. They messed up waiting for Kawhi. I get it. I get why you had to. You think they did the wrong thing? It didn't work. It didn't I, work. I, you know, and I hate to have you know hindsight and, and say that I knew better because I didn't. But you had to wait. But man, Kawhi was pretty obviously playing him at one point. Like once they were the only team leaking information, you had to think Kawhi and a team leaking information does not sound like a good marriage. I thought up until it happened that the Lakers were the number one choice. I think I was doing Maybe that's sh- just my Lakers fatalism. I think I was doing the show Thursday because he signed Saturday night or was it, it a was Friday a fri- night? I think it was Friday night. But Regardless, I think I remember doing, talking on the show and I was thinking if he hasn't chosen the Lakers yet, the Lakers might be the third place team. Like if he's met with them and all this conversation, there's a real chance they're third. And now he said they were really close. So maybe they were second. Maybe the Raptors were never a part of it. The way I don't know if the Jazz were really a part of the Gordon Hayward conversation ever, right. but it, it felt to me leading up to it like all of a sudden the Lakers had fallen out of favor. Either way, you know they'd be much better with the Angelo Russell right now. I think I I yeah I I agree with that. I honestly think that again going into that day the Clippers felt like a distant third to me, and that okay. that's because the Paul George thing had had, had to happen. We we had yeah. no idea, but everyone was kind of thinking, why would you go to the the Clippers when you have these other two options? Yeah. When you have the you know you either can play with the best players in the league in LeBron and AD, or with the team that won the championship a year ago and, and run it back. And up to that night, they along with the Dallas Mavericks that had the worst off season in the Western Conference, the Clippers, because they all they had nothing. They'd only lost players. Yeah, That's- they hadn't signed anybody. You know, it worked. <laughs> only the Knicks had what worth. Jerry West is a master. He's really uh, very good at his job. Yeah, uh, and, and really, it's it was Paul George who who made that happen. You know, if if Paul George doesn't get a trade from Oklahoma City, then what happens? Should we talk about the next team? He asked. Yes. Have the role the players beat the Jazz? The Warriors role players. Tell what? us what about role, the Eric, Warriors Eric role Paschal? players. You know, like <laughs> hey. Donovan Mitchell's friend. Hey, who the Jazz thought about drafting. I'm sure uh, he will be just just phenomenal. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to look at the Warriors roster, and I don't know if I could tell you five players right now who play for the Warriors offhand. Yeah, I mean, it's D'Angelo Russell is going to be playing kind of the Clay Thompson role. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they will start those two players next to each other. I agree with a a lot of league observers who say 
that the D'Angelo Russell acquisition was less about getting D'Angelo Russell to play next to Steph Curry for the long term and much more about getting a player with talent they could trade for pieces. Yeah, you got down a placeholder. You, you got, got a very good placeholder. You have a, a $25 million player that you can, you're, you're happy to play in the short term while, while Clay is hurt, and then you can move him for whatever you want because he's a young, good player later. On a long contract. On a long that you have contract, control of. Yeah. And yeah, and he plays a premium position. There's Point guards are hard to get. You know, that's why the Jazz were lucky and willing to spend so much to get Mike Conley. Yeah. Uh, but beyond that, you know, it's Willie Cauley Stein. So what's their starting lineup? Let's talk about All their, right, their starting starters lineup. Their starters are Steph, uh, D'Angelo. You've got uh, Draymond Green. Now it gets rough. And you've got Kevon Looney. And then your three is you, a real question. You mark. think Looney starts at five? Yeah, I, I do. Uh, well, maybe I, Willie Cauley Stein. Right. That's the, I like Looney. I don't know if he can play that many minutes. There's that's some guys. True. That's been a There worry. are a lot of guys who cannot play 28 minutes a game. I would bet they go with the guy who's played in their system and uh, who I think they the, Probably, the guy they drafted, right? Looney's better than Willie Cauley Stein. Everyone, I, who, I probably agree with that. Kings fans hate Willie Cauley Stein, and Kings fans are stupid. So if they're no, if they're smart <laughs> no. enough to know what? Why are you calling Kings fans stupid? <laughs> okay, because they've Do had they bad basketball that? for a long time. Yeah, that's not their fault. Yeah. I kind of think you're a smart. If you're as what still you've a King fan, no, if, no, no, no. If you're still a King fan at this point, you you know what bad basketball is. It's true, and you recognize. It. And they they saw it with Willie Cauley Stein. They did not like Willie Cauley Stein. Yeah, a lot of Kings fans didn't. So he's a he's the game where you watch him against the Jazz and he outplayed Rudy Gobert in like game three of the season. It was game one, but yeah, and you're like, hmm, I get it with Willie Cauley Stein. And then if you watch him every night, you hate him. Right. So I think he has a lot of that because he catches lobs. So you're not really quote studying what he's doing and it's like oh he makes sense and then you actually watch him a lot and you hate him i could see them getting the most out of him in a, like a javel mcgee kind of way yeah that's who he is right yeah that's absolutely who he is uh so who's your three uh draymond starts at the four steph is your one d'angelo's your two and those guys are right you can go super small Looney and, and or go with mckinney or jacob uh, jacob evans who hasn't done anything honestly a b is not a crazy option glenn robinson uh, Glenn Robinson is is possible. Can he yeah. play? I don't know if he can play. I didn't, I, I don't know what. Glenn yeah, Robinson I don't think I'd start last. him. Uh, they still really like the Alan Smailich. Smailogic yeah, kid. There we go. Yeah. Alan Smailogic, uh, and he had a very good G League. Good G League. Good summer league. Good right? summer. When he was on the oh, summer yeah, league. Team? Sorry, good summer league. Less good G League actually. Uh, that's kind of a funny story. Maybe do, he pe- plays. do people know that story? Yeah, it's a weird story. Basically, he played for their G League team. Uh, it was was too young to to be signed to an NBA contract right away. Uh, too young to be drafted, and yeah. so came to the Warriors G League team. They liked him, and they used their second round pick on him. Yeah, I think they loved him in Europe. Right. They said, "Come play for our G League team because we're going to draft you. We love you, but we can't draft you because you're too young. But come and play in Golden State, and no one's going to know who you are. Just come and play here. We don't want inter- we don't want other teams to scout you internationally." But then they scout him, and it was still domestically. Are you sure. <laughs> do, you, I, do you think they're scouting closer one place or another, or do you think there would be a better opportunity for him to show off more in Europe? Because I do think the Warriors having team control over whatever it is, you know, the Bakersfield Warriors or whatever their G League affiliate is. Yeah, is it Santa Cruz anyway? Oh, yeah, Santa Cruz Warriors. I think is actually who it is. Whatever it is, they can tell that coach don't play him, hide him. But they played him, and they did play him. Maybe they said play him poorly. <laughs> no, he had, a, he had a good summer league, though. But yeah, no, they very much had planned this the whole time. The yeah. whole idea was bring him over from Europe, get him in our system before he can get drafted, and then draft. Him. And everyone knew it. And actually, the Warriors had to trade up for the pick that they used to get him. Uh, I believe that was in the late 30s, if I remember right, maybe early 40s. But anyway, uh, 
Yeah, so that's that's kind of a weird story. And again, good summer league. I'm skeptical about him. They are much higher on him than the rest of the league is. Glenn Robinson probably can't be a starter. Okay, and he was bad last year. And he only, he's only played the most minutes he's ever played was 20 in 2016, 2017, when he was 23 years old. Gotcha. And since then, he's played 14 minutes and 13 minutes. So I don't know. Maybe it's Jordan Poole. Maybe it's uh, Jordan Poole who they just drafted. Maybe it's Jacob Evans. Do you think once Clay Thompson comes back, you just run those three? Yeah. I th- yeah, I think that makes sense. You should see what it does. You should see how it works this year. It's worth yeah. a year, unless it's so obvious it's not going to fit. But you should give those guys a playoff run and then trade D'Angelo this offseason if you want to. What if you what if you gave them until February and Clay's ready to go in February? I guess, I'm just guessing, but you know, I want to out with an together. ACL nine months later is February. Yeah, uh, you you still want to see them together unless there's such an obvious trade. Unless you can get Bradley Beal, you know, unless there's such an obvious trade to be made. What if you can get a an impact? You know, again, a five. You can get two good depth pieces. You can get. Oh, I should come up with someone. You know, Are those like, good trades. No, maybe not. Yeah, I I mean, look this this group with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green, and not a whole lot else was a seventy three win team. I mean, look that maybe that's underselling Leandro Barroza and and Sean Livingston and Andrew Bogut and so on and so forth. Here's course. my trade. Here's what I look for. Okay, this is the deal I do. Let's hear it. Mid season, and you're gonna love this deal. <laughs> I guarantee it. <laughs> Mid season, Mo Bamba breaks out in Orlando, and Aaron Gordon has a good year. Okay. And they want to get rid of Nikola Vucevic. And so, they say, we want to get rid of a five. They list him as a power forward, but he's a five. He's a five. And they say, okay, we want a shooting five to play next to Draymond. Okay. We'll trade you D'Angelo Russell because Markel Fultz never becomes an NBA player. And we'll give you uh, D'Angelo Russell for Nikola Vucevic. Can I get D'Angelo Russell for Vuce and Terrence Ross? Mm, no. Okay. Maybe. I, I'm just maybe. negotiating. I D'Angelo's want Terrence the Ross. the best player of those guys. Yes. And yeah, everyone wants Terrence Ross. And he actually didn't get a great deal this offseason. And Vooch is, Vooch is kind of old, if I remember right. You know, he's it, this this four-year deal does not look like it's going to be particularly brilliant for the long term, where D'Lo is young. He's 28. So you're paying him until 31, 32? That's like like, those are the types of deals yeah. I think they're looking at. That's good. That, and that's realistic. They're not getting Kevin Durant back. No. And no one's doing the Warriors <laughs> any favors. No. You know, but D'Angelo Russell to a team of need like Orlando who will give him an all-star in return. That's a good trade. Yeah. That's that's a fun trade. I like that. That's one of our best crazy trade ideas in a, in a while. Yeah. And off the cuff, too. Yeah. That's well done. And it makes sense because Aaron Gordon should factor into their future, ideally. Mo Bamba should factor in as their starter because put, you put a number five pick on him if he can stay healthy. So And that, you know, sometimes you sign guys like Vucevic to be a placeholder for the next guy the same way they traded for D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. That's actually good general managing. It is. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's keeping your asset value high, right? Like, that's... Yeah. Uh, Especially Even if your rights. assets are ma- mismatched, you just want clearly assets that you can make happen, make things happen with. Especially with half the league changing hands in in yeah. the last two months, yeah, you yeah. you should be able to be able to do that. Yeah. It's been a very fluid market, especially when you're signing guys like Vucevic into bird right space. Yeah. That otherwise you just don't have cap space. Right. Let's take a break. We'll uh, yes. keep talking about the good league. call. <laughs> the the NBA. What a good talking point for us here on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. The home of the best Utah Jazz and NBA breakdown is right here. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700.
the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. Andy Larson, Ben Anderson with you again, uh, talking Utah Jazz and the NBA. We do have another question from one of our commenters on Twitter. And always, you can tweet us at Andy B. Larson or at Ben's Hoops in order to send a question into the show that we'll talk about over the air here uh, with you for the next hour and 15 minutes or so on ESPN 700. This question comes from Matt Lyons asking, do you see Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert only playing in the upper 20 minutes per night to save them from injury and overplaying for the playoffs? Yes. I don't. I think they'll both play 30 to 35 oh, minutes a night. Let me look at my uh, article from last week at KSL. Mike Conley played, I think, the 30th most minutes in the league right around there, and he mm-hmm. was at like 31 and a half, right? Like, he was only a minute and a half over 30, which is not a small sure. minute. I mean, that, those those are valuable minutes, and when you're talking about games that are you know, separated by a couple of points, those matter, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Jazz try and get them under that. I would say, A, Mike Conley was at 33.5 points, uh, minutes per game 33 last year. 33.5? Yes. Too many minutes. B, we kind of know how Quinn Snyder uses his rotations. And Quinn Snyder, I don't think he plays guys too many minutes. Don't get me wrong. I, I think yeah. that's a, it's a normal number it. of minutes. Yeah. He's very good at that. Uh, Donovan Mitchell played 33.7. Rudy Gobert, 31.8. Joe Ingles, 31.3. Ricky Rubio, 27.9. Jay Crowder, 27.1. Those were your top five. I think those will all stay accurate. I think you'll get more from your point guard. <laughs> you, you, yeah. you know, in the way you didn't want Ricky Rubio out there for a lot of minutes last season because you could play Donovan at the point or, you know, Dante Axum at the point or Howell Neto at the point and be fine. Those options are, are significantly worse this year. Uh, so uh, to me, you need Mike Conley to play 33 minutes a night. Okay. Uh, Part of this just goes back to, and we, we've talked about it on the show before, my complete and total distrust of Emmanuel Moutier. He does have bad backup point guards this year. Yeah. Which is a big thing. Bad Backup point guards win a lot of games. Yeah. You know, but bad, or can lose guards, a lot of games, too. Yeah. yeah. Backup point especially in the playoffs, those backup point guards generally tend to, you know, I mean, Fred Van Vliet's a very good example of a guy who stepped up and did a lot of things really well, and you need those guys. Quite frankly, there are a lot of backup point guards who just end up not playing during the playoffs. Yeah. You know, you you just find other ways to do it. And I could definitely see the Jazz being one of those teams next year if yeah. you just allow one of Mike Conley or Donovan Mitchell to be out there on the floor for all 48, and then those guys share 24 minutes or so on, on the floor together. When was the, the last time the Houston Rockets had a backup point guard? <laughs> you know, mean, between James Harden and Chris Paul. It really is Austin Rivers is yeah, who they, right. who, who they play. And that's with. not a point guard. Right. So, yeah, you have a couple of guys who initiate an offense. And... Right. Now, for the Jazz, that guy during the playoffs is probably Joe Ingles. Yeah. Um, but during the regular season, I think it's Emmanuel Moutier and Nigel Williams-Goss. I think it's hard, you're going to be hard pressed to see to play those guys the 18 minutes a night that you would need to in order to play Mike Conley less than 30. What does Dante Exum do next year? Dante Exum uh, again from Tony Jones reporting and some of the things I've heard, it, the Jazz are going to be playing him a lot of minutes at at the, the wing spots, the okay. two and the three. Um, I think he makes sense. I, I like playing him at the one just because if you're playing him at the one, uh, again, you don't have to play Emmanuel Moutier. It, it all comes back to yeah. my Moutier hate, yeah. but like <laughs> yeah. that that is a real decision. Is you know, I think Dante Exum is a much better player than Moutier, so therefore uh, you want to have your better players out there on the floor, however you make that happen. Uh, and you can, to me, you can have Joe and Dante out there on the floor at the same time and, and get enough playmaking that it makes some sense. Uh, I... I, I also think Nigel Williams Goss might be okay. He, yeah. he might he might be good. I'm curious. Um, I'm curious about all these guys. So yeah, I, I, the backup maybe point that's guard the way position is the most interesting for the Jazz this season. I think Rudy Gobert. Uh, 
really you're looking at again 33 minutes a night. I and mean, you even lost with the best backup center in the NBA in the offseason. Yes, exactly. Even with Derek Favors, who played 23 minutes a night, Rudy Gobert only played 31.8 minutes per game. Uh, I think to me, Ed Davis, while a, a top five backup center in the league, uh, will not force some minutes out of Rudy Gobert's hands in the same way that Derek Favors did during certain games. Ed Davis played 18 minutes a game last year. Year before that, he played 19. Year before that, he played 17. So he's an 18-minute-a-game guy. Yeah. 48 minutes. If the Jazz are dead set on him only playing center, which sounds like the case, then, yeah, Rudy gets 30, 31 minutes. And, you know, at that minute you get of Rudy is better than the minute you get from Ed Davis. Yes. You know, that extra so, minute. So, But but it's, it's a fine backup to have. It's a very fine backup to have. Now, do I think Bogdanovich plays... Less than 30 minutes a night? I definitely could see that. Yeah. Uh, do I think Joe Ingles plays less than 30 minutes a night? Again, we're talking the, the Jay Crowder 27, the the Ricky Rubio 28, somewhere in that range. Yeah, because yeah. I, I think you've got at the three and the four spots, you have talent at those spots that can play minutes. You know, you can play Jeff Green 20 to 25 minutes a night, and it's not going to kill you. You can play George Nying 5 yeah. to 10 minutes a night, and yeah. it's not going to kill you. Uh, you just have more talent at those spots. Yeah. If you're not playing Rudy Gobert, uh, uh, maybe less so with Rudy Gobert and Ed Davis, if you're not playing Mike Conley, then that means you're playing Emmanuel Moutier, Nigel Williams-Goss, or someone weird like Mie Oni uh, at, at the very end of the roster, a, a Stanton Kidd or a William Howard or even a Jawan Morgan, again, recently signed. Like, you know, just it's it's... It matters who you don't play as much yeah. as it matters who you play. You don't want those weaknesses out there on the floor. But the Jazz absolutely play Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, Boyan Bogdanovich, Rudy Gobert, Ed Davis, Jeff Green, Joe Ingles, Royce O'Neal. Right. Those, those are, are your top eight, eight. And then you have to figure out who's getting your point guard minutes. Yes. That's about it. George Niang will step in there and get a couple of minutes here and there. And your backup two to me. And maybe you're, maybe you're counting Royce as a Royce, two there. Joe. Those guys can both kind of swing around a little okay. bit and play on the wing, and you just go big. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think those are your eight, and then you'll get one ninth player to be a backup point guard. And, and I do think that maybe the best way to do that is go out into the buyout market and find something there. And you know, George Yang can play too. George Yang can, can yeah. initiate the offense a little bit. That's kind of his skill set. That's one of the things he's good at. He's not, you know, if he's pressed, he's not a great ball handler. Right, you're not but he's not have a him, terrible ball handler. You're not going to have him like dribble the ball up on out of bounds play after a made basket, right? But right. after he can run, get the ball and run in transition and kind of make the, something happen. Some of the same Joe Ingles stuff. But you, yeah, and the truth is, like, who the point guard is for the Jazz doesn't matter a whole lot. That's something Emmanuel Moutier said during his his press conference was, look. Quinn's talked to me about being a one, being a two, being a combo guard. It said the positions doesn't matter because the the two guard initiates as much offense in in the Jazz system as the number one guy does anyway. You yeah. know, like how often do we see Donovan or Joe Ingles yeah. dribbling the ball up the court? It's it's all the time. So uh, that's something that I'm, I, you know, I, I think maybe that's the way we should look at it is rather than who gets the the backup point guard spot, it's who get those extra ten to fifteen guard minutes that the Jazz need to fill. Yeah. And that they've got some bodies. Or, and yeah, I wouldn't rule out the idea of going out and looking in the buyout market and see which guards come available and then hoping one of those guys can play. And, and it's turned out well for the Jazz in the past, a la Joe Ingles. Yeah. All right. We're coming up on our next segment here. Ben, I want to ask you maybe, you know, we've heard from guys like ESPN, Zach Lowe, maybe some of what are the concerns are about this team. I want to talk to you about those, uh, you know, whether or not they're tough enough, whether or not they're big enough, especially come playoff time in the Western Conference Finals picture. That's going to be a an interesting question. 
I want to talk to you about those things in the next segment here. We should also talk about who's trending up on the Jazz next year. Who's going to be better next year and who's going to be worse next year? I like that. That's a that's a interesting topic of conversation. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, keep, keep tuned to us here on the Salt City Hoop Show right here on ESPN 700. Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops here with Andy Larson and Ben Anderson. We're just excited that our uh, friend Kyle Goon of the Orange County Register coming into Salt Lake City to uh, bless us with his Eeyore-ish presence for the next four days. Wow, what a treat to uh, spend time with Kyle Goon. Everyone likes Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle, a, yeah. Kyle's a guy you don't know why he keeps getting invited places, but you're not like mad that he's, he's there. there. Yeah. yeah. He's just he's just there a lot. Yeah. It's good. He's a foil. Yeah. To he's fun. a great foil. He's a great, he's a great foil, foil to fun. Yeah. Uh, we can put, you know, his face on t-shirts, make fun of him. No. He, it's, it's, and he rolls with it. He's he pretty good about with rolling it. with it. He is. Yeah. He's great. Uh, <laughs> that's Sorry. That's what we were talking about during the uh, off, yeah. uh, during the break there we promised leading into the break that we would talk about the jazz's roster and who we think will have better and worse seasons compared to last year uh and as always i like to look at it with a statistical projection i like to look at the the projection models and and figure that out and And one of them is i'm just gonna make it up as i go yeah i like that that's that's your your eye test uh i have a shoot from the way yes that's that's good we we need both of us kind of a sports radio trick it's shoot from the hip. You should do it a little bit. I, I should do it. I, no, I'm not saying you. You're a reporter. You need to get it right. Oh. Sports radio hosts don't need to get it right every time. No. So it's okay to shoot from the hip every What's once your, in a while. Do you have like a, a known worst take that like not maybe you don't regret, uh, regret, but maybe the one where you shot the most from the hip? Mm-hmm. I'm not that crazy. No, and I'm also not. like the lead. You know, I'm like the I'm, right. my job is to get us among, in and out of commercial breaks. Among the people on your show, you are the, the least hot takey of them. Yeah. It's not really my job. Oh, man. I mean, uh, so many. Lots of bad takes. <laughs> and yet. <laughs> yeah, I, guess I have so many bad okay. takes. I, I don't have one. You don't have one. If you out. come up with one later. But for now, we will... Uh, well, yeah, draft... Uh, you know, jazz draft picks or players that I thought would come in and be yeah. good or not be good. And I mean, I remember two years ago, we were talking about Kyle Kuzma on the show, and, and we... Uh, I was very, very, very skeptical about him. Yeah. As I thought he should be a second-round pick. I thought he was... Uh, I thought he was bad at some things that yeah. he said he was good at. He said he wanted to play like Draymond Green. I'm like, okay, where's the defense, right? Yeah. Like that was, <laughs> yeah. and that's still a question. He's and not that's still Draymond a question Green. now. But he's he can play on offense. He said, I I want to play like uh, I I can shoot the ball on offense and space the floor. And again, at the U, there was less of that than you would expect for someone who has had his level of success in the NBA. And and he's shown it. You know, he's shown the ability to shoot and score in multiple different ways uh, that maybe. At the University of Utah, he, he and I actually a, really liked him. I remember that show because it was you, me, and Zach Harper yeah. doing the draft show, and I really liked Kuzma. Mm-hmm. Like I thought he was a first round pick and a guy worth taking a shot on because he'd shot the ball really well the second half of his his final season at Utah. My my worst take, maybe, and not that it matters, but was I, I thought Frank Jackson had a real chance to be a good player coming out of Duke because mm-hmm. I saw the league trending towards Donovan Mitchell types, and I thought, well, Frank Jackson's a good shooter who has great leaping ability who was on a team that was loaded with stars and maybe just didn't get a big enough opportunity at Duke. And then once he got into the league, he'd have a great chance. And maybe he can still pay that off. Yeah. But I believe I said I think he has a chance to be the best player 
from Duke on that roster to make it in the NBA. Jason Tatum's a really good player. Yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> a much better player than Frank Jackson. So I, I didn't love that Duke team, but I like Frank Jackson. Jason Tatum's better than I gave him credit for. Fair enough. Um, let's talk about these Jazz guys, though. Let's do it. Shooting from the hip. Uh, you know, I said the Lakers would be the fourth seed in the NBA in the West this year. Because I thought just adding That LeBron, wasn't a hot take at the time. Right. I just thought adding LeBron made you that good. Yeah. And it didn't. You know? I thought they would be in the playoff picture, but near the bottom, six, seven, eight seed. Uh, I didn't see a path for them to be. Uh, maybe I saw a path for them to be a, a top four seed, but I didn't think it was likely. Like certainly, <laughs> uh, well, people from LA did, and and a, a lot of national media did as well. Because I, I get it. You know, when you looked at LeBron's history of making NBA Finals in the Eastern Conference, and you said yeah. this guy is good enough to do it on his own, and it turned out that. When you throw in an injury and throw in a unique set of circumstances with a, you know, he's never had a meme team quite like that. It, it's maybe not so easy as we thought it was going to be. Anyway, uh, let's talk. Where should we start? With Donovan Mitchell? Do we want to start? Let's just start at the point guard and work up through the center. All right. I like that. Uh, so let's go with Mike, Mike Conley. Conley first. Uh, Mike Conley is older than you would want from a, a point guard you expected play better than he did in his maybe career best season last year uh 32 years old put up seven wins above replacement last year um i it was very very good and yet when you have a 32 year old point guard you should probably expect him to decline so i'm gonna say decline yeah mike conley's gonna have a worse year this year than he did last year but it also changes because he's going from a horrible memphis grizzlies team to a really good jazz team that will really help so he will be he will be better and worse. Like he his numbers are going to be a lot worse, and he's going to help a team actually win a bunch more games. Now, yeah. actually, he helped Memphis win all the games that they won last right. year. <laughs> Mike Conley was not solely responsible, but pretty close. Yeah, especially after Marcus Hall got traded. But uh, he's got some really interesting player. He's, just, he's not going to average 21 and 6 and, like he did last year. Yeah. There's no way. He's got some really com- uh, interesting player comparables. Uh, his number one comparable is Chauncey Billups at 32 at 32 okay who again tailed off right there but yep. still had that multiple Nuggets, years that really good left Denver uh, Chauncey uh number two Kevin Johnson in 1998 okay. tailed off very quickly at yeah. that point Darren Williams in 2013 okay uh or actually this is 2017 Darren Williams at that point is okay. when he was 32 tailed off pretty quickly Kyle Lowry maintained his same level of play really until last year where he uh, a yep. little bit but had a couple of good years there uh, Lou Williams, a very good level of play yep. for the last couple of years. Uh, Tim Hardaway is kind of interesting. It had okay. one bad year and then had two really good years after that. So uh, there are a lot of different possibilities here. Maybe Jason Terry is another interesting one on this list. He's ninth, uh, extended his career until he was really nearly 40. And as a bigger piece early and then yeah. as a talented role player late i kind of like maybe that projection best for for mike conley moving forward good news is those are all guys you know those are all like right the the projections aren't you know i mean the I, only I one who really abstract point guard you, you know some dj augustine or something it's not you know these trey burke and i get it it has to do with age at 32 and time spent in the league but i mean i think you're okay with all those yeah i mean he's not like darren williams at fall would Fall off more again, injury related. Kevin Johnson, same thing, different era of the NBA. Uh, I, I feel like that's a fair projection. And by the way, Carmelo, their the five thirty eight system has him at a 
hundred worth $110 million over the next five years. That's Mike Conley you're talking yes. about. You yep. say Carmelo because that's what they call their Sorry, ranking that is, system. Yes, that's They're not their, talking their about acronym, the if you will. Yes, yeah. that's not. Carmelo is worth zero over the next five years. Yeah. Sorry, Melo. Donovan Mitchell wants Melo back in the league. Yeah. The league doesn't want Melo back in the league. Dame wants him back. Yeah, a bunch of people are endorsing a, a comeback farewell tour for yeah. uh, Melo. And <laughs> none of the GMs are doing that. I, I If you get two years, averages of 15 points a game, five assists, shoots 45% and 37%, and does the other Mike Conley stuff, I think the Jazz are more than thrilled with what they got. Agreed. Let's do Emmanuel Moutier. He will have to have a better season. Yeah. Uh, and actually, you can make a case that he will have a worse season because the one thing he was good at last year was the mid-range shooting where he shot 45% from mid-range, and that's that's a very good mid-range shooting number. And he hasn't ever done that in his career before. And so maybe you could say that is a uh, that is that is an outlier year, and he's going to regress, and he's going to be Denver Moutier, and that would be horrific. But yeah. I think overall it is more likely that he is better than he is worse. I bet better. His numbers will go down statistically because he had so many minutes sure, in New York last year. He's not going to score 14 points a game. He won't do that at all, but he needs to figure out like a, a buddy. He needs to figure out, can he have a good buddy system with Rudy Gobert? Isn't that Mike Conley? Isn't he the logical buddy? No, I think he needs to like figure out like the way Joe Ingles and Derek Favors could run the pick and roll. Like I need, oh, gotcha. I need Emmanuel Moutier to have one trick okay. that allows him to be on the floor. I need him to be able to do one thing that works. As a backup point guard, I think it is. Uh, you're hoping it's mid range scoring, right? Yeah. Like so it's, run the it's pick and last roll. Last ditch scoring with Rudy Gobert. If you get any minutes with Gobert, run the pick and roll with him, and you should be able to throw the lob. I, you could probably look up and see I, if he's thrown some lobs in his all career. Turnovers. Okay. <laughs> well, hopefully Rudy's a better lob catcher. I mean, I know he's thrown some lobs. He did a bunch to Mitchell Robinson last yeah. year, but so can he throw the lob and then hit a 15 footer? If you know, if if they collapse on Rudy, right? That's kind of what I want to see. It like best case is Emmanuel Mudiay is a guy who uh, can get the Jazz into their offense, maybe a little bit. Is not asked to do a lot. Maybe you have Joe Ingles run the first pick and roll, but then with seven eight seconds left on the shot clock, you run a pick and roll. Defense sags off. He hits an eighteen foot jump shot. Yeah. That's his one trick. That's what I mean. I need him to have one trick. Okay, and he he may have that, and he may not. We'll see. He had that last year. Uh, he also, in order honestly to stay on the floor, he needs defense. So. Okay, next. Nigel Williams-Goss, another point guard. Don't care. Don't care. He's in the NBA. He's the yeah. best year of his life. All right. Dante Next. Exum. Probably better. It's hard to be worse. I mean, he missed so many games last year. He, his right. goal is is availability. Yes. Play 75 games. Uh, will he? I don't know. Yeah. But And he's got to be better. I mean, he, you know, as bad as we talk about Emmanuel Moutier being offensively, Exum ain't great. Or defensively, Emmanuel, or, or Dante Exum is pretty limited offensively. They're actually, yeah, that... Uh, agreed. Dante Axum might be more limited offensively, but the the defense the difference defensively is is very different. Yeah. Uh, let's move to the two guard Donovan Mitchell. Probably better, and I think yeah. just because you see his percentages go up, and he's just going to score twenty three, twenty four points a game. He's just that good. There's no reason to expect him to be worse. Right. Right. Like he had a tough season coming off an, of an injury, and still put up pretty good numbers. Yeah. Now you just need the efficiency side of it. There's no reason that you would expect him to be less efficient. Right. He should be more efficient, should still have good numbers, and he's the best scorer on the team. So it's not like you're going to take away his shots because there's better players. That is the funny kind of myth is, oh, you're going to take some of Donovan's shots away because Mike Conley and Bogdanovich there. That makes some sense, but also just take the worst player's shots away. I think I think they will take some of Donovan's shots away. Sure. Like Donovan will not have a top six usage next year. Right. right? And hopefully it's the right shots you're taking away. Right. But also he get those guys also get to take up shots, the guys who shouldn't have been shooting as much as they were last year. Uh, are we calling Royce O'Neal a two? Sure. Royce O'Neal. Better. 
I bet he shoots the ball. He shot the ball well last year. I bet he continues to shoot that well. He hardly shot the ball yeah. ever last year. Yeah, he, needs he to was shoot. an 11% usage. He needs guy. to shoot way more, but he was, what, 38% last year? He was 38% from three. That's a good number, so he needs to embrace that. And is this a contract year, or do you have one more non-guaranteed I I believe this is a contract year. Yeah, so good take call. some shots, my man. Uh, Put it up there. Let's see what you can do. Yeah, I... <laughs> He'll be better. I I think he I think he'll be better during the regular season. I think it's not fair to expect his playoff performance the whole season long. I mean that's kind of what happened last year, right? Was we saw what he could do in the playoffs, and we're like, oh my goodness, Royce O'Neal is the, yeah. the seventh man of this team, and yeah. it, he actually was, but it yeah. was he it wasn't actually very good in that role. Um, I think he's a rotation guy. I think he's good. He's also twenty six, so this is his prime. Yeah. Um, I I think it is. Not fair for him to, to expect him to take a, a big leap forward. I don't think it's fair to expect the five games in the playoffs over 82, but I think you, you hope for small gains in terms of uh, what he's able to do because he, he won't be asked to do a whole lot. And, you know, if he, if he takes 11, let's say he starts at the four, which, you know, some people are talking about. Tony's talking about that. I think that's very possible. If he does, 11% is fine next to the starting lineup that yeah. has a lot of different shot takers. Yeah. But do what you do and do it a little bit more. That's yeah. the nice thing for him. He just needs to do it a little bit more often. It's not like he needs to reinvent himself. Agreed. Uh, Mieoni, we don't know if he's going to be better or worse. Do we Do we have any other twos we want to talk about? I don't think so. Uh, let's do Joe Ingles. Okay. Worse. Joe Ingles. Worse. 32 years old. Yeah. Players who are 32 get worse. Yep. He's getting older. He's getting slower. He looked decrepit in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, and I think he's going to be worse. But I think it's okay because the Jazz are going to get a better role for him. He'll be worse, though. Now, here's a guy who has gotten weirdly better as you know he started early in his his age curve really started going up at age 27 through 29 right but he took a he took a step back last year i thought than the year before that uh just in terms of efficiency yes but he was also asked to do way more like the the amount of ball handling he was asked to do is when you think about who joe ingles was is is crazy he added an assist a game last year which is hard to do yeah one assist is a lot uh, over a, a whole season he actually averaged a half point but his efficiency went down so i think you'll get more efficient Less less action. Agreed. Which is uh, okay. I still think he will be a starting capable player next year. Uh, two years from now, we'll see. But I think it's, again, get him back over 40%. Rarely get better. He was 44% from the three-point line each of the last two years before last year when he dipped to 39%. 39 is still a great number, but let's see that number get back up. Or up. You know, if he's about 44, 45 again, and he's coming off the bench, that's great. It's very good. Uh, let's do Bojan Bogdanovich. By the way, his free throw percentage was crappy last year. It was. It, 70%. He was almost 80% the year before that. Yeah. That was weird. I, uh, I remember asking him about that, and he just didn't know why either. So huh. <laughs> he's yeah. like, I practice yeah. it. Like, yeah. well, you know, it's yeah, right. not going in. Like, Bogdanovich, worse, but better. Uh, but worse. He has asked he, to carry so much. I think he'll so just much. be worse. Yeah. Yeah. His, he was asked to carry s- such a huge load last year after Oladipo went down, and he won't have to do that. Right. So that's the thing. And, and he was kind of exposed to that in the playoffs, if we're honest. Like, he's clearly not a number one guy. But you can get better but, because you're in a better role. I mean, yes. I'm just a huge believer in that. That's why I love what the Jazz did. I mean, I think more than half the players we said are going to get worse this year. But truthfully, they're just in such better roles, it'll make the Jazz better. Right. I agree with that. Uh, so, yeah. I, I I don't think you should worry about Joe Ingles or Bogdanovich too much. Now, maybe you know maybe the cliff comes and, and we'll we'll see what happens. And I think the Jazz will have to deal with that. At some point, the kind of hope is that this is a one to two year championship contention window that you don't have too much drop off that you're able to keep these guys healthy, and then uh, you kind of deal with the out the whatever happens after that ha- as free agency comes around and you have the cap space to deal with it. Uh, Bogey is thirty; you're going to be paying him till he's thirty four. It's probably fair to expect some decline, yeah. but he's also a shooter uh, who will be able to shoot. I think. 
as long as he can play defense in the league. Yeah, yeah, 49%, 42%. If you get those numbers from him this year and he can play 20 minutes a game, 25 minutes, I mean 25 to 30, if you can get that from him, you're thrilled with that, uh, with that result. Yeah. Uh, let's do Jeff Green. Okay. Jeff Green, also 32. Uh, actually, 33 now uh, going into the season. Worse. He will be worse. Yeah. You know, I, I think in, in retrospect, maybe the best year of his career, well, you know, maybe most impactful on a winning team. I still, I still go with the Celtics. Two years ago with the Cavs, he was impactful in the playoffs in a big way. Yeah. Uh, last year with the Wizards in a very weird situation, had some good minutes and some weird roles, but was not, you know, a tremendously good player. I think he will continue to be a, a guy who can play minutes for you and not a tremendously good player. Again, 33, you're you're starting to talk about Tabo Cephalosha-esque regression where the defense that may have been there is starts to be there less, uh, the knees get creaky, yeah. etc. I think he will be a more efficient player than he's been in the past. Uh, he's shown that over the last two years where his true shooting has gone up from 48% to 59%. And still, you know, really, it's it's defense and hanging out on the floor in that way. And, you know, I think it's fair to expect a regression. Yeah, I agree. But if you can get 10 points a game and, again, have him shoot 35% from the three-point line at the power forward, you're happy with that because he's your backup power forward. That uh, His response last week to my question on the, the minimum. minimum contracts that he's had to sign for the last three years, I thought was very interesting. Yeah. I think that was he was unhappy. Most, he was clearly unhappy that, he, that that had been his reality for the last three years. So... Um, you know, clearly he wants to prove people wrong, but he was also on minimum contracts for the last two yeah. years and still got one next year. So, you know, like I, I think, you know, if we're honest and realistic about it, that's probably what's going to be happening again. Unless you're rehabbing off an injury or ring chasing and you sign that minimum contract, it's hard to work your way off the minimum contract. Yep. George Niang. Better. George should be a lot better. I bet, How, he, has a, I bet he makes a nice jump. I, I just think he has a. I think the league slows down. I think you continue to learn what you can do and what you can't do. You know, and his game is so funny because he could do everything at Iowa State. That's yeah. why people loved him. Like he could play point guard, he could play center, he could play power forward, he could shoot the three, he could be the best passer on the team because he was just the best, biggest player on the floor every single time he stepped on the floor at Iowa State. You get in the NBA and you can't do that. And so it's like, okay. What three things can you do? And so like, he can really shoot. Yeah, he can kind of rebound and go. He can make some good passes. Yes. Okay. Do that. And then turn those attributes from those were sevens, and all the rest of your attributes were fives. Turn those to eights, and then don't worry about the rest of what you do. But he's never going to have a a positive block or steal percentage. He's nope. never going to be a plus defender. Nope. You know, like that's never going to get to the free throw line. That's just not who he is and what he can do. You know, I, I I'm with you. I think you kind of define yourself a little bit. He's going to attack the rim less. I think, uh, and then yeah, it's. I, I'm with you. You know, again, he's 26 years old. You probably expect a little bit better, um, but he's he's a 11th man. You know, yeah. so we'll we'll see what happens. More Davis um, Bertans, less you know, less Draymond Green offensively. Maybe like, the most favorable comparison out of his in in 538 system is Maxi Kleber, who just got a, okay. a bigger deal. Um, okay. Also 26 last yeah, year. Just just be a flamethrower. Can you be a flamethrower? Can you be good enough to be that? And if so, you can get minutes because the Jazz need a shooter. Yes. A pure shooter. And can yep. he get to that point? And George Yang last year shot 40 or 36% or 41% from the three point line. Those are near flamethrower numbers, you know, and on, on two attempts a game in just eight minutes. That's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot of production. Can you get three shots up in 11 minutes? Can you get three threes up in 11 minutes shooting over 40%? 
there's value if and, you can. And you might need more of that given that Kyle Korver is no longer on the team. Yeah. So that's that, and that could be better. He should be trending up in that direction. Rudy Gobert is a really interesting question. Uh, 27 years old. Yeah. Coming off the best year of his career. Yeah. Set an NBA record in dunks. Best defensive player in the league. Def- best defensive player in the league. I think given that, you almost have to project a regression. Yeah. Because, but, uh, guys, once you've, once you've reached a mountaintop on the defensive end, there's nowhere sure. to go but down. Right. Uh, and now, that being said, I thought he was, well, was, I would say, he would you say he was a better defender last year than two seasons ago? No, I kind of thought he was better two years ago. I kind of thought so, too. Yeah. Oh, if you look at the, the foot, I mean, you were, you He know. only played 55 games. Yeah. But I, I, I think I'm with you. I think it was a slightly better defender two years ago. Even though he did more, like, he, he defended on the perimeter more often, mm-hmm. I think he was slightly better two seasons ago. But I mean, you're you're talking about the best or the best, right? So it's a nice problem. To he have. very well could just still be the best. He still uh, he still will be. The he's best. still going to be dunking a lot. He you would even hope he gets more dunks as a result of the Jazz having some space around him. But maybe they'll stop forcing him for these dunks and instead just be happy to take the shots from Boyan Bogdanovich or Mike Conley or yeah. Donovan Mitchell. Even you but know? he's like, still the best efficient scorer on the in the on the team. Yes, because dunks are great. Yeah, <laughs> and that still should be the number one option the Jazz look for. Yes, and pick and rolls with lots of guys, including maybe Boyan Bogdanovich. You know, that can initiate with him would be fun. Agreed. He uh, do you, do you think he's swinging up or swinging down next year? I'm more worried about maybe his off season being busy. You know, and him okay. being a little bit tired where he yep. he regresses a little bit. That's fair. So probably regression, and, and because like you said, he's, he's not just... going to play all 82. You know, I guess he played right. 81 last year, skipped the last game of the year, but like that's be- because he's so good. It's hard to imagine him getting better. Here's a question. Let me interrupt. We we got a, a DM or not a DM, a text, on, a tweet on it. <laughs> okay. A, a guy said, "What can Rudy?" And this is actually in response to Rudy uh, hitting three threes earlier today on on uh, Nicholas Batum's Twitter page. He says, yeah. "Can he work on a hook shot or a layup?" Well, I mean, Rudy doesn't need to do a layup ever because he dunks everything. I don't want any Rudy layups. No, I think I think sometimes you need to layup. Okay, he does occasionally, but. Uh, does he need a hook shot? What what does Rudy need to add to his game? Like what how does Rudy get better offensively next year? Honestly, if you if he does have the Steve Steven Adams five foot hook shot, yeah, I think it helps. That little touch shot, I, that little I, push shot is nice. I know the hook shots, you know, you're you're talking about that three to fifteen foot range where those shots are way more inefficient than anybody thinks. Uh and yet I think the difference between having that and not having that, making that shot at Fifty percent versus thirty five percent is a big deal, and and Rudy's been on the the bottom end of that in in recent years. Um, if he's not dunking or with a with uh, especially with traffic around, he you know he does struggle. I, I don't if think he there's could any question. Pull up, rolling to the rim with the ball in his hands, like you're talking about, which Stephen Adams really does well, and has that little one handed push shot at five feet or four feet, and could get that to go. Yeah, that would be a right. huge addition. I, yeah, exactly. I'm not talking about like him catching the ball on the post and having no. the post move and shoulder no. shimmying and any of that because yeah. just it's not going to happen. Quinn's not going to run that. You know, like it's it's just not going to happen. That's not what the NBA is. That's not who Quinn is. That's not what Rudy is. It's dumb. I'm talking about that exact thing where you catch the ball and you you have a defender coming at you, so you can't dunk it right away, and instead you need to come up with some sort of beat the defense kind mm-hmm. of shot. Um, and you know Rudy Gobert does work on that. There's no that's the thing. I think we 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 think it's so easy for guys just to add a shot to their game. That doesn't happen in the NBA no. very often. No. You know, like 
who's who's a guy on the Jazz that has really truly added a shot over the last two years? I would say Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles got faster with his shot, but it's not you know his left-handed. He's you know, going to the rim. Maybe. He's a little bit better. Yeah, he's better finishing yeah. layup, just a plain old straight up layup. But yeah. he could do a layup before, presumably. Sure. Uh, and the Jazz still don't love when he takes mid-range jump shots yeah. or mid-range floaters. Yeah. He can do it, I guess, a little bit. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, I think, has shown really kind of the same kind of layup package year one and year two. Uh, I would say that was a big growth from what we saw from him at Louisville, so maybe that's that's an example. Um, Derek Favors, you know, tried to add the mid-range jump shot. And, and tried to add the three. And tried to add the three, yep. and we, we haven't seen it. And and yep. Derek Favors works as hard as anybody. It just doesn't you know? really happen. Like, it, it's it's just, just not really a thing in the league. Yeah, you, you just kind of are who you are. And, and you can you can get better at certain things. You can get better at footwork. You can get better at understanding when you can do those shots. I'm not trying to be, like, fixed mindset about you this. You can but get let's just... better at what you can do. It's hard to get better at something you can't do. And Rudy Gobert could always dunk, but you look at how he got from... 30 dunks a year to 200 dunks a year and it's that's where the hard work paid off and yeah. I, I think we have to give the Jazz credit the coaching staff actually a ton of credit for being like this is how Rudy Gobert becomes one of the best players in the league is is not through a mid-range jump shot is not through this Ty Corbin work with Carl Malone idea yeah. and then he's going to turn into the mailman right Dwight Howard working with with uh, Hakeem Olajuwon yeah why and the the worst part about that now is Dwight Howard thinks he's got a post game yeah and now he wants a post up game and yeah. post possession every you know four times a game and that stalls your offense and is low possession low sorry low efficiency and it, it's just you don't want that right so. Anyway. Know what you do well and make it better. Don't yes. ask guys to do things that they can't do. Yes. Those those coaches get fired. They do. And, and that's what I think you do have to give the Jazz credit, coaching staff a lot of credit for, is being like, hey, this is what you can do and this is what you can. But, you know, Ricky Rubio, we didn't see a whole lot new from him. Maybe that reverse layup he, he didn't really use earlier in his career, that turned out to be helpful. But anyway. We do have a couple more players left in our breakdown of who's going to be better and who's going to be worse. So Ed Davis and the esteemed Tony Bradley next here on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. Back to the analytics, opinions, and best breakdown of the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. I'm Andy Larson. This is Ben Anderson with you on the Salt City Hoops show. Got another half hour left talking about the rest of the Jazz's roster. And, of course, taking your questions on Twitter at Andy B. Larson, at Ben's Hoops. We just got a good one from Spandex Larry. Rukim Goberjuan is what his Twitter name is. I okay. like that. That's someone uh, who wants to see Rudy at a hook shot. <laughs> he does. That's that's oh, good. I, I mean, if you're uh, oh. combining Hakeem and Rudy, and yeah, that's, you, you, you probably do want that. Yeah, you want the the Rudy dream shake. Yeah. He asks, who is more proven in the playoffs, Anthony Davis or Donovan Mitchell? So we looked up the stats. Yeah. And boy, the stats are pretty conclusive. Uh, Anthony Davis is he's a freak. Anthony Davis is so good at basketball. <laughs> I think uh, people have somewhat slept on. That acquisition, even though I know the Lakers aren't a perfect roster. In the playoffs, Anthony Davis, let me pull these up again. His points per game. No, of course. I'll, I'll, I've got okay. it right here. Yeah, here it's 30.5 points per game. Yeah. 12 uh, and a half rebounds, two and a half blocks. He's led the postseason both years that he's uh, been in, the, in, <laughs> in blocks, blocks per game. game. 1.8 steals. Remember, he's a center. 1.8 steals, 1.8 assists. 
He shoots 55% from the floor. He is 1-2 in playoff series. Donovan Mitchell is also 1-2 in playoff series. Uh, Donovan Mitchell shot 38% from the field during his playoff run, 42% in his rookie season, 32% only last year, averaging 23 points a game, 5 rebounds, 3.9 assists. Uh, There's no question. And I get it that Anthony Davis has not had a lot of playoff success in his career. Yeah, He's only been to the playoffs twice in seven years that he's been in the league. But he was a game-changing force in that Portland series last year. Uh, and then as a 21-year-old playing against the Golden State Warriors, the literal Golden State Warriors, which admittedly was a sweep, he averaged 31 points a game. Yeah. And, and get this, I mean, just the, the per-game numbers are, are crazy. I mean, it's he scored 35 points, 26 points, 29 points, and 36 points in four consecutive losses. I actually want to say that but first. But scored 23 points, 22, 20, and 20 shots. Like, that, that's just so efficient. I think that first game was really close, and people thought like, oh, Maybe Anthony Davis can give him a series. Like, he's that yeah. good. And then they ended up getting swept. But I want to say that first game, I want to say they were up because it was at uh, the Coliseum. Uh, or it was, that, it was at, uh, sorry, it was at Oracle. At yeah. Oracle. And uh, he was crazy keeping them in the game. Yeah, it, it looked like uh, the, the Pelicans actually outscored the Warriors 33-22 to 22 in the fourth quarter of that game. Uh, but I don't know. So maybe he came back and brought it close. I, I mean, I remember watching that series and thinking this this could be a series. Then it didn't end up being that. But and his teammates were Eric Gordon, Tyreek Evans, Quincy Pondexter, and Omer Oshik, uh yeah. were Drew his Holiday fellow starters. So he's very very much by himself. Drew Holiday actually off the bench. Which what are you guys doing? That's a bad coach. Uh, Drew was fair enough. Okay. Uh, Norris Cole played thirty three minutes a game. Okay. Forgot about that Yeesh. guy. Yeah. <laughs> should we finish off uh, getting better, yeah, and getting we worse? We should. We should. I just, I just like looking yeah. at those. No, Anthony Davis those kind of is, is amazing. He, he's a, he's the one of the best basketball players in the world. And it's not even close. You know, he's yeah. he's by far a top five player. Ed Davis. Okay. I don't think people realize that he's thirty. Maybe right. it's just he has been in the league for a long time. Remember, he's in the Gordon Hayward draft. Uh, I just. He's thirty. So, and he had you know was second in the league last year in defensive real plus minus. Was top five in the league in both offensive and defensive rebounding percentage. Again, I think it's probably fair to expect him to be to both play a smaller role because he'll be backing up Rudy Gobert rather than Jared Allen, and to be a little bit worse on a permanent basis. Yeah, I agree with you. Here's the one thing we haven't talked about enough, and we can finish off. Who's Tony Bradley? Yes. So I, I, I'm with you. Ed Davis will get a little bit worse. Let's do Tony Bradley, and then I'll give you my spiel. Okay, okay. Tony Bradley. Tony he Bradley be will be better. Tony Bradley had Because a, Tony Bradley was bad, and he had a pretty good summer league. He had an awesome summer league. I, I put out his numbers on Twitter. Let me see if I can find him really quick. Uh, I, I don't know what he is, but those numbers that he put up are absolutely incredible. Here's what he did in, in the Salt Lake Summer League. He averaged 20, 15 and a half, and two and a half blocks on 60% shooting. In Vegas, he averaged 19.7 points a game, 11 rebounds, one block on 56% shooting. So that's incredibly productive. And if it was anybody other than Tony Bradley, Jazz fans would be going gaga over who he is. But he is Tony Bradley, and we know that it's never translated onto the floor. But those are good. Those are increases over what he was doing in years past. Yeah. So there's something there. There's a skill set there. Maybe it's just big and offensive rebounding, but there's a lot of guys who are in the league because they're big offensive rebounders. Right. Their names there are Ed Davis. They play for the Utah Jazz. <laughs> now, Ed Davis, again, was the second-best defender in the league last yeah. year, and Tony Bradley is going to be among the worst center yeah. defenders in the NBA next year. So there's your big difference. Yeah. Uh, if yeah, if Tony Bradley was Ed Davis-level defender, A, he would have been a top-15 pick. Yeah. B, he would have... Yeah, you know, he'd be in the NBA playing over and, and the other thing like that people thought 
Tony Bradley was going to develop was a 15-footer because he shot like five, and he made three of them or something at North Carolina, and people thought, like, oh, that'll translate, and that never translates, so don't do that. He he kind of has it, but yeah. Yeah, I would never let him shoot it. Yeah. There's never going to be the top eight best shots on the floor for the Jazz when he's on the floor. He has the ugliest jump shot on the Jazz Hmm. by a significant margin. Like, it is very— Oh yeah, okay. Rudy's Rudy's is not. Yeah, it's just so slow. It's slow, sure, but it's yeah. kind of fluid. Yeah. Uh, Tony Bradley's is very jerky. It's Janky. very yeah. It's all over the place. Yeah. Like throwing. Yeah. Okay. It, it is just like throwing the ball up, but with there's no straightness in it. It's all right to left. Okay. Here's my spiel. Who yes. of these players that are playing for the Jazz now played for a better coach last year? Um. Yeah. None of them. Probably I, none of them. I, I mean, I probably none of them. Maybe that's just me being a Quinn Snyder homer, but like I think Scotty Brooks be, isn't good. Kenny Atkinson is, I think, actually a good coach. But how many coaches would you take over Quinn Snyder in the NBA right now? Are there five? Yeah, maybe five. You know, are like, there? Pop, probably. Yeah, I still like Carlisle. Rick Carlisle probably is in that conversation, but it's a conversation. Yeah, you know. I you know I think you think about someone like a Steve Kerr. You know, maybe Steve Kerr. You, you Bud, just really don't know. Bud's Bud is great. great. Yeah, you know. And then, Honestly, Nick Nurse may have thrown himself into that conversation. Nick Nurse, a bit. maybe, he but he had Kawhi. But yeah, you know. he did, right, exactly. I don't Spolstra know. And at one point was that guy, and then he didn't have LeBron anymore. And he doesn't look as good. Yeah. So having those guys really helps. Steve Kerr might be. We might have a totally different opinion of Steve Kerr next year than we do this year. I don't think we will as much as people suspect. I think he's actually a good coach. But uh, like Quinn's top five coach in the league. So all these guys, Ed Davis. Mike Conley had maybe the worst coach in basketball last year. I mean, all these guys that are coming in and joining. I really like Fizdale. Like, I want Fizz to work in the NBA. I don't know if he can coach. He's, he's yeah. It's but a I real really question. want him to work. I want him to because I think he's cool. Uh, I think he's good for the NBA. He's a good personality. I don't know if he's a good coach. So, all these guys coming to the Jazz are better. I don't think Nate McMillan's a very good coach. No, he's done a really nice job in Indiana. Yeah. I, I, I really I've been surprised him. at how good I he is. I hated him in Portland. Yeah. And Terry Stotts has been significantly better. And I'm not even a huge Terry Stotts guy, but he was a lot better. So these guys coming here now are good. And, and in fact, I don't know if any of these guys have ever played for a better coach than they're playing for, for Quinn Snyder. So can Quinn get 5% better, more efficient, right way to play? type of basketball to these guys. And yeah. I I, Quinn really does that. I, I do think like you look at, I, I was talking to David Locke a little bit about this on, on his podcast, but like you, you look at shot quality metrics, right? Yeah. And you look at the difference between the shot quality that Bojan Bogdanovic and Jay Crowder had last year. Well, yeah, Jay Crowder got way better shots because nobody guarded Jay Crowder. And, uh, Maybe Quinn, Quinn Snyder's offense is a little bit better than Nate McMillan's Tony offense. Bradley's shot quality from three would be the best in the league. <laughs> yeah. No one wants to guard him. So you're, you're really talking about probably, for someone like Bogdanovich, somewhere in between where he is in a little bit better of a system. He's playing with better teammates, uh, but he's not Jay Crowder. They're not leaving him wide open. Yeah. So I, I think you're going to see, in, in that sense, maybe a percentage point or two is, is all it is, but maybe just a little bit better of shot opportunities for those guys across the board. That might equal out some of that 30-31, to 32-year-old decline that you see at, at players uh, in, in this stage of their careers. Why are coaches leaving the Jazz? Which coaches? Uh, what, what's his name? Antonio Lang went to Cleveland. Sure. Tony Lang went from being the fourth assistant to the second assistant. Fotis left the Jazz to go take a head coaching. Wanted game. to be a head coach again. Do you think Quinn burns out coaches the same way he burns out Trey Lyles? <laughs> I don't. I, like, honestly, because 
uh, those guys would leave. Because, like, Alex Jensen, let's say, you know, is one of the high, most highly regarded assistants in the league. He could go be a highly regarded assistant somewhere else. I, You know, I, I think Johnny Bryant has had, yeah. you know, tons of pub as being the guy behind Gordon Hayward's consistent rise uh, in Utah and Paul Millsap's rise in Utah. And, and even Donovan Mitchell is, he gets a lot of success uh, uh, credit for that. Yeah. If he wanted another job, he could get another job. Yeah. I think you, uh, yeah, I, I don't worry about that at all. I think, I think Quinn's actually really good to his staff, too. He makes them I think, work I, hard. Yeah, I think he works, makes you work really hard. But I don't think you get into coaching in the NBA because you want to take the nights off. Yes. Like, I don't think that's necessarily what it is. I think, if anything, there is there is kind of like the, the cult of Quinn, if you will. There's mm-hmm. there's this real, the people who work with Quinn have this real significant attachment to him for whatever reason. And uh, my suspicion is he doesn't make you that. I think he earns that. Yes, I agree. I think there are coaches, I'm just going to guess here, Tom Thibodeau, that want you to worship at the altar of Tom Thibodeau. I mean, I think there are coaches that are like that. Maybe yeah. Tom's a bad example. but it's, uh, Yeah, I don't think it's through ego necessarily. But I think there are some coaches who have egos that want you to sure. come in and, and worship them because of who they are, who, who they were, and not necessarily what they're doing. Yeah. I think there are probably guys that exist like that, and I don't think Quinn's like that. I think the guys like Quinn because they like Quinn. I also think maybe that's more of a college basketball thing. Like, if you, in a college basketball program, you no, are the you are the ego in the program. There's right? no superstars in college. If you, Mike Krzyzewski yeah. still a bigger player than, or more bigger important name. than Zion Williamson. And in Zion's the, the NBA, the coach seen. is always only the seventh best, biggest ego in that room. Yeah, and so as a result, you you know you're just you, you can't get that kind of ego laden devotion like you, you might be able to in in college or high school. You'll be curious to see if. If some of Quinn's assistant coaches have more success than Igor did, and what that means, because yeah. does he become a great resume? You know, playing coaching for the Jazz does that become for a resume what coaching for you know Pat Riley was for a little bit of time, or or what uh, you know now maybe, it's Pop. maybe Bud has that or Pop has that. Yeah, yeah, and that that's an interesting topic, and and maybe we can talk about this coming out of the break next segment. But what Igor? Well, you know, why he went to Sacramento and what kind of he is. We also got a text on how many games the Jazz oh. win in 2019-2020. Well, we can talk, talk about, about that. that, plus over some over-unders are actually set for the Jazz. Yes, let's so do that. gambling, we'll do that. Here on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. The home of the best Utah Jazz and NBA breakdown is right here. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700, Andy Larson, Ben Anderson. One more segment here on the show for you. Wanted to talk Vegas odds for the Jazz, the the win total over-unders. A texter asked how many wins... We think the Jazz will have forty nine oh seven. Asked two questions. Okay. We ignored the first one, but oh, we'll answer it along with the second question. The first question was: Can the Utah Jazz win the title in twenty nineteen or twenty twenty? Well, they can in twenty nineteen because there's no more titles in that game. Well, I think he says twenty. Okay, he says twenty nineteen, twenty twenty. I apologize. This okay. season, can they win the season? <laughs> and how? Yes, they can. They probably line up some fortuitous injuries on the West, you know, to get sure. past the Clippers. The Clippers get out of it, but Jazz can win a. Uh, Jazz are a contender, and if you're a contender, you can win a, a championship. Yeah, and I, I think they are maybe the the third or fourth 
biggest contender. And I know maybe the Vegas odds don't have it that way. Certainly they have the Lakers above the Jazz. Uh, they they probably have the Bucks above the Jazz. Uh, Clippers and, above the Jazz. Clippers, yeah, sorry. Definitely the Clippers. Um, I, 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 I just, most have the 76ers above the Jazz as well. Yeah, I... I'm skeptical on that. So give me a one, but. give me a hot take. How the Jazz win it? And it doesn't have to be something outrageous. Donovan Mitchell hitting a three. Not so. I mean, is there a, something that happens that allows the Jazz to win a championship? So you can either go Donovan Mitchell becomes a superstar, okay, and then you do it in the Dwayne Wade Miami Heat function of way yep. that you just have a terrific score and some talented shooters and the best defender in the league, and you just do it that way. Yeah. Or you can do it 2004 Pistons way, yep. which is to have not only the best defense in the league, but an elite, elite, elite defense and a, a offense that does well enough as a top 10 offense that can score. And But that elite defense has to be able to shut down the superstars of the league. So right. uh, in the same way that the 04 Pistons shut down Kobe, Kobe Bryant and Shaq T-Mac. and the Lakers. Yeah. And yeah, you know, everyone along the way. Every, <laughs> and, and, they, had a, they had a run of like the seven games where... Teams didn't score eighty, right? But it was <laughs> exactly now, that but, was the two thousand four NBA that would yeah. never exist now. But now you know the equivalent is keep them below one hundred. Yeah. But if you can do that with Kawhi and Paul George, then you know maybe you've maybe you've got a chance. I'll, I'll say this: the Jazz find a because they're going to be a top five defense, no question about that. The Jazz find a Hampton five or a death lineup of their own mm-hmm. that the twelve minutes it's on the floor, it's plus eighteen or whatever you know whatever crazy number you want to look at. It's just so devastatingly good that Conley, Donovan, Joe Ingles, Boyan, and Rudy when they're on the floor are just so much better than everybody else when you have that five-man lineup that nobody knows how to defend it. And they can go to that in a third quarter and just kill you the same way the Warriors have for the last five years. And and I could see that being true. I could see that being true. I I think that lineup is super-duper good. I mean— uh, you look at just how good like the the Philadelphia 76ers starting lineup was last year, where they were really kind of a plus twelve during the regular yeah. season, and then it was the playoffs, right, where teams defended Ben Simmons differently, yeah. uh, defended Joel Embiid differently, who was also injured, and that lineup wasn't as good anymore. But if you, I, I don't see any like immediate obvious holes that you can attack that. Maybe Rudy Gobert's lack of offense. Jazz um, aren't a great perimeter defensive team there, and they're yeah okay. So there, there, those are the two questions, but you know neither were the Sixers. The Sixers right. let guards scoring them all the time. So, yeah. but but that would be my key. Is, you know, the Jazz find that one lineup that is devastating. Yeah, and they can go to it okay. over and over, and you can't stop the shooting. And when you stop the shooting, you can't stop the penetration. And when you stop the penetration, you can't stop the lobs. You know, it's just and then and then you start over. You start taking the lob away because you bring in that help side defender, and then you start with Boyan or Joe Ingles on the corner again, and you just realize, okay, this is a. You know, this is the Bermuda Triangle. It's, it, you do it. It's the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of the comp because to me, they're not they're not the Toronto Raptors where you give the ball to Kawhi nope. and have him bail you out of, of unless Donovan takes that superstar yeah. leap. And I doubt it. Um, they're not the Golden State Warriors with a tremendous that that good of shooting, right? right. They have right. great shooters, but they have kind of normal great shooters. Right. <laughs> uh, they're not the Miami Heat with LeBron, and you know they're not, they're not any of the LeBron teams. High, yeah. It's just you got to be the San Antonio Spurs. You got to you got to piano music everyone to death. You know, yep. like you got to yep. play yep. beautiful basketball yep. exactly. and pass the ball a ton yep. and get open shots and death and by passing, death by a thousand cuts. Yeah, and that's we could see that we've seen Quinn Snyder teams move the ball in that kind of way and and have that level of beautiful offense, and then we see it slow down and we see it die at critical moments and when defenses turn up their pressure. That's part of that's just because they haven't been very talented to this point. 
Now they're talented. Can they keep those that rhythm that again I'll call it the piano music style? Yeah. Through 48 minutes or you know 42 minutes of, of very good play. 2019-2020 NBA win totals according to Las Vegas. Now they've got a few different options here, but we'll just go with the Westgate because they seem to be the most ambitious, and okay. we like ambition. Yeah. Uh, the Bucks 58 and a half wins over under. Uh, under. That's the highest. Uh, they lose Malcolm Brogdon, and that's yeah. that's a big, that's loss. a big loss. A lot of people, you know, the the NBA circle people, the NBA's NBA people, think that Malcolm Brogdon might have been the third best player on that team. He was at times their second most reliable player in in the playoffs. Why isn't he playing for a Team USA? That's a good question. He's like a cool guy. He would be a good fit. Yeah, I like that. He can shoot know. and he can do everything else. Blaine uh, Stackhouse, Sixers, fifty five and a half. Colangelo, sorry, yeah, fifty five and a half for the Seventy Sixers. Under. I, think I don't like Al that, Horford as a fit. Okay. There's a chance the East sucks, though. Yeah. And they, that starting lineup could be really good, and they could get to 56 wins. Losing Jimmy Butler is a big thing. Yep. You know, and Tobias and Al Horford and Joel Embiid, they have, like, a couple of skill sets that really overlap and aren't going to blend perfectly. Well. Yeah. I don't I don't love their fit. Clippers, 54.5. More. Over. Jazz, 54.5. They have not tied with the Clippers for 54.5 wins. If they're That's that's impressive. The the ones I've seen are 52.5, and, and I'm more confident are, taking the over there's there. There's a couple of those, yeah. Points bet has that, but Westgate has the Jazz at 54.5. I, <laughs> I don't know. At 54.5, I take probably the under. There's just so many good teams in the, NBA, in the West. Yeah. You just, you know, like you're going to lose a game to the, to the Kings. And they absolutely could win 55 to 60 games, but you look at health considerations. You know, is Rudy going to play 81? Probably not. Is Mike Conley going to play 81? No. no. You know, load management's going to be a thing. And then their depth isn't great. And, you know, once you get from 7 to 12 and start needing to play those guys. You're going to lose a game to the next team, the Rockets, 54 and a half wins. You're just going to lose a game to Russell Westbrook and James Harden, if not two or three. Right. You know, that's the hard part. I think that feels high to me. 54 and a half is too high to me. Now, they won... 50 last year, but or uh, they won 53 last year. Remember how bad they were to start the year. Yeah. But there's going to be some kinks to work out, and th- there might be some kinks that you cannot work out. Not kinks, but just bends. Pure pure bends that, that are not fixable. Yeah. Uh, 54 and a half is too high. Nuggets, 52 and a half. I go under on that one, too. I go under on that because one. Because of how good they were in close games, and I don't think it's repeatable. Well, they probably deal with some... I mean, they, had, they didn't have Michael Porter at all last year, and he was a lottery yeah. pick, and some people thought he'd be the number one pick. Think maybe Jamal just, Murray gets better. Maybe you know Gary Harris gets better. I don't know. Maybe they're also but undersized. They just That's, are not going to win that many close undersized games. guys playing back to back years of playing lots of games. Those I seem. I feel like those guys don't always last. Those guys long. could be better and finish five hundred, and they will get you know three fewer wins. Celtics forty nine and a half. Last year they won forty nine. So are they better or worse than they were last year? Better. I think they're better too. I think Gordon bounces back. I think Kemba's not an insane person. I think Kyrie is an insane person. Though Celtics diehards will tell you that losing Al Horford's Big. Maybe bigger than losing Kyrie. I get that. Uh, I think bad Jason Tatum to good Jason Tatum is a big difference that yeah. I think you you may see some changes on. Do they have a backup point guard? Do we know who that is? Because uh, they, they lost Gary Terry. Who, who am I? They signed someone. I can't remember who it is. They signed. It's not TJ McConnell, is it? Uh, they signed somebody good. No, TJ McConnell went to Indiana. That's in right. fact, today he signed in uh, Indiana. Oh, Carson Edwards is going to be their backup point guard, and that's fascinating. Yeah, that is fascinating. Apparently, Jazz were really trying to get him on draft night. Hmm. That's my understanding. Uh, Jazz were moving up to, to try and get him. Uh, let's do one more. That's a fun fact at the end of the show. Lakers, 49 and a half. I'm not going to give all my hot takes. Remember I told you, I'm <laughs> not a reporter. It's not my job. Well, Four- ooh, I don't know. 49 and a half. I'm going to go over. Let's go less. Why not? I'm Hate go the Lakers. Over. LOL Lakers. Yeah. They're a weird team. 
If LeBron, look, if LeBron plays 60 games or less, that's less they definitely win fewer than 50. Warriors, 48 and a half. More. I'm going to go under. Steph and Dre are really good. They are really good. They're really good. <laughs> I'm, I'm just Team Steph forever. All right. Uh, that was another good show on here on the Salt City Hoop Show. As always, you can listen to us on podcast. Check us out at saltcityhoops.com. But for now, Andy Larson, Ben Anderson signing out here on ESPN 700.